Hey guys, welcome to another TGS podcast. Today we have Nick Horton on and he's going to be talking about COVID-19 and how it has affected the police's opinion on shooting in the countryside and also how it's going to affect the wild fowling season. Be warned that some of Nick's viewpoints are slightly alternative. However, as always, TGS is a form of opinion. So enjoy. Hi Nick, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you keeping? Uh, very well, mate. Very well. Uh, all healthy and well, I hope. Yep. So far, so good. Um, I'm taking the social distancing uh, seriously. Perhaps we might come on to elements of that in due course. But uh, yes, my new status of being one of the higher risk groups means that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm behaving myself. Very, very wise, too, hopefully. Very wise, too. So um, I suppose, seeing as you mentioned it, let's start with that. What are your views? What is your current actions? How are you feeling about the whole thing? <clears throat> Again, I've got to momentarily marshal my thoughts. I, I don't want to come across as some sort of conspiracy theorist, someone who is rabidly uh, anti-police. Um, and I feel that this is the appropriate time <clears throat> to say that uh, I am in fact a retired officer with 25 years service. So um, I, I speak on, on police matters with, um, with, with, with perhaps the benefit of hindsight, and this is not a criticism at the boys and girls uh, out on the street trying to do the job on a day-to-day -day basis. But having said that, um, and I think any of us who've perhaps looked at YouTube will have seen um, uh, some, some some clips of police overstretching their um, the boundaries of common sense in terms of the enforcement of the of the of the current COVID regulations, even to a chief constable threatening the residents of his county that if they didn't toe the, toe the line, that he would have officers in shops inspecting the contents of their shopping bags to make sure that they didn't contain other than essential items. Um, and of course, it, just right. opens, well, it, it opens the door to what is an essential item? Three bottles of water and a loaf of bread. Um, it, it's that, that has, of course, since been uh, clarified um, with a sudden outbreak of common sense from the Home Office in, the, in that pretty Patel, the Home Secretary, came on the telly very shortly afterwards to say, no, you won't be doing that in point of fact, uh, and you need to sort of go away, regroup, um, think carefully about what you're doing um, and, and have another try, you know, like stop using drones to watch one or two people walking in the middle of nowhere and then trying to suggest that they're going to be responsible for the death of all of us. There is some uh, there is some great irony in in that 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 was an initial thing. He seems to have phased out a bit now. The whole well, if you go for more than two walks a day, you are the the end of the world sort of thing. You are you are the antichrist. Yeah, we, and and of course what we now know, <clears throat> following <clears throat> some clarification from both <clears throat> the Crown Prosecution Service and the in fact I wrote I wrote down this particular acronym because I couldn't remember it from the National Police Chiefs Council, um, they've given us some guidelines. If you, you'll forgive my dogs barking in the background. 
could be a parcel my wife could be a parcel that the wife has been waiting days for i'm sure he'll just leave it and go um but uh, what's been clarified is that for instance if you want to go for um to take exercise you can in fact drive to get there previously it was being interpreted with police roadblocks that you can't drive anywhere well apparently you can um and again just to sort of put that into some sort of um personal perspective um i, I saw online somewhere the other day that someone was talking about <clears throat> uh, an invasion of the countryside by by people you know quite rightly wanting to get a bit of fresh air working as legitimately as they can within the uh, within the confines of the regulations to, to to get some exercise and not run the risk of um, contaminating other people or becoming contaminated themselves um, but it came across that the countryside dwellers felt that this was some sort of invasion of their of their privacy well i live on what was a former council estate i've got footpaths running up the side of my house at the front of the house on the across on the pavement the house next door is rented by uh, by a gp i've got care workers who are in and out of people's homes old people's homes on a daily basis so from my perspective the risk of infection be that whatever from simply stepping outside of my own front door is significantly greater than someone who lives in an isolated um, uh, rural area and for for me and for many others in circumstances like mine the safest place for them to be for those few hours of the day is when they jump in their car and drive to a remote area and take the appropriate exercise um, so if you just translate that for a moment to the um to, to the pigeon control the legitimate pest control controversy that seems to have been raging perhaps it's only on facebook i don't know um but the 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 police have, have taken a whole variety of different views there doesn't seem to be any unified standard um from one end of the country to the other no not at all that that, that in itself um is slightly disturbing because what it means is is that we have a piece of legislation that in terms of its enforcement is down to the opinion of an individual officer on the day rather than him enforcing a a, a set of words that give a set of circumstances where you know once you've crossed a particular line when you go from right to wrong so my what i would ask is if you engage in legitimate uh, pigeon pest control, for instance, and the police turn up for whatever reason, the, the officer, who probably has no rural background whatsoever, would then have to make a decision as to whether he felt that the activity that you were engaged in was in fact reasonable. Now, what parameters does he have to judge that against? What experience does he bring into play? How on earth does he do that? Um, I think the whole thing is a cluster of and I'm trying to I'm trying to use words that aren't completely offensive um I, I think as time progresses it will kind of sort itself out um 
and perhaps the fundamental question that it begs is this one. Many people, again, on Facebook, because we're locked down, that's where much of my correspondence with other people is, seem to take the view, oh, don't, don't forget pigeon shooting. And I mean, again, legitimate pigeon shooting where a crop is potentially being damaged. I don't certainly do not include just going out for a day shooting because you want to. So um, the guys at the NGO put it very wisely of it is a need versus want scenario is I want to go pigeon shooting. However, the places I go pigeon shooting don't need to be shot for pigeons at the moment as much. Exactly. As they, and I, I say need. I mean, urgently need. Yes. But, it, but there will be uh, occasions. And I and I actually indulged in one of those uh, a couple of Sundays ago with a uh, with, with a freshly drilled field, which was being raked over by by, by pigeons and crows. Um, the. The, the the need to be there, but for uh, for, for COVID nineteen is quite clear. Does, is that is that need in any way diminished by COVID nineteen and and the associated lockdown? Call it what you will. It is essential, in fact. If, if it is yes, absolutely. If it if it's essential, but the, the final question that it begs this is this: if you argue that you don't need to engage in essential pigeon control where, where it is allowable, because it is allowable, there's no, there's no doubt about that, under the circumstances that we find ourselves in at the moment, you then lose the moral high ground and begs the question, well, if you didn't want to do it or couldn't do it or felt that you couldn't do it during, during the COVID outbreak, why would you want to do it now that it's finished? So I think the point needs a little more refining than that, that it is a case of we are pushing the line of essential past where we usually would. So, for example, if a farmer usually saw a few hundred pigeons on his field, we would usually be there in a heartbeat to scare them off, to shoot them, to control their numbers. However, at the moment, we would probably now say that's mildly allowable because at the moment we are staying at home as much as possible. Yeah. So. I think that we are pushing the line differently, but I do think there are occasions which are utterly essential that we go out pigeon shooting, and it has to be that way. Yes, and, and I think again, what it what what it kind of boils down to is is applying a bit of common sense. <coughs> if otherwise you're being a good citizen as far as social distancing is being concerned is concerned, and what you're talking about doing is going out into the countryside in a safe manner because we know that you can drive there's no this the whole you shouldn't be driving business because you might have an accident and that will put the emergency services in in jeopardy complete red herring the the government have said that you can drive to take exercise so obviously the whole driving concept is is not an issue as, as far as they're concerned so what you're going to be doing is going out into the countryside to perform uh, a, a, a valuable um, service to, to, to the farmer and, and by association to the rest of the community because you're protecting our food supply and you're going to be isolated in a way like no other because you're going to be in a field in the middle of nowhere. And I, and I do think that there is an element to this of it's a split isn't it? Is I, I totally agree that there is some irony that we can go for a walk down the high street of town, whichever town you may live in, 
are in your case walk outside your front door but cannot go and hang out for the day in a pigeon hide it's it's a split thing isn't it one has to be socially responsible and as a shooter we have to be seen to be socially responsible whether it is logical or commonsensical or not to be seen if we're all out shooting at a time when everybody is the opinion where we should stay at home sorry i thought i'd turn that on silent um we have to as a community be seen to be towing that line however much it is illogical i i i absolutely agree and, and this i think is where the we, we have to be careful that we don't kind of split the hair too much i'm talking about occasions when it, when it is justifiable when and, well, i'm not talking about just going shooting because you fancy going oh it's a nice day today I'm going to go and sit in the pigeon hide. You know, the chances of getting much are not great, but I just fancy a day out. No, that, that, that is not what the what, what the regulations su su suggest that you should be doing. But um, you you live within the um, within the Hampshire constabulary area. Now, I haven't actually received this yet, e either in an email or a letter form. But there was a correspondence from the Hampshire Constabulary Firearms Department fairly recently, I believe. Um, I've seen it on the Basque website. I've seen many uh, copies of it elsewhere. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to believe that this document exists. Yeah. And, it, and it's advice from the Firearms Department as to what you can and can't do, allegedly, during the, 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 during the current crisis. And what it actually is, is, is a police officer's opinion as to what he would like to see happen or not happen. And I find it extremely offensive, the, the, the tone that it's, that it's written in, that, that, that we should be, excuse me a second, let me just turn that off, um, that, that we should be talked to like children as members of one of the most responsible uh, user groups that the police have any dealings with. We've all been vetted by the police. We are all people who meet a certain social criteria, and yet they choose to correspond uh, with us in a way that treats us like naughty school children, and, and they're wagging their finger at us and threatening us with with, with the loss of, of of our shotgun certificates under you know under certain when you actually read them, imaginary sets of circumstances, even if you didn't lose it permanently, because I think the, the, the I, don't, I don't believe that there have been any um, revocations of certificates for, um, again, people um, going out and doing what they are permitted to do during the, during the current uh, uh, crisis. Um, and it just kind of smacks to me as the police taking this opportunity to do what they did with the um, <clears throat> with the legislation that relates to shotgun certificates and um, the, the appropriate medical approval, in that they just pulled ahead and did it, despite the fact that the that the Home Office, um, that the, the medical profession, um, well, it's a whole complex issue. Let's not break that one down at the moment. But basically, the police said you're not going to get your shotgun certificate unless you supply us with copy of your medical records signed off by your GP to say you're not a nutter. Mm -hmm. now, now, the concept of that is, is fine. I don't have a problem with that at all. But it's the way that the police have implemented it, which is technically outside 
of, of, of the law as it stands at the moment and the, and the Home Office advice that they're supposed to work within. And it begs the question, they've done that. I got a horrible suspicion that when this lot blows over, one of the things that we might find is that increasingly police will ask for people when they're going out into the countryside to go shooting to notify them that they're going. I mean, they have asked for that in the past, though, haven't they? Um, they, they, they have, they have done. Um, uh, under certain circumstances, um, I, I think that that's probably not a bad idea. Um, I'll, an example I can give you is that my wildfowling club has had for the last 15 years an arrangement with the Hampshire Constabulary that we have information available to them, which means that if they get a telephone call from a, a member of the public seeing one of our blokes out on the marsh, they, they have the option of making a phone call um, to, to us um, and again to shorten the story, we can tell them whether that person is is one of our members um, or, or, or not, and they can deploy uh, accordingly. Now, the last time that that was tripped, the police decided not to use it and to deploy an officer to the site who had no idea what he was talking about, no idea where we where he was going. It was a complete communication a danger. Now, having been with you out into the mud, a, a huge potential danger. Yes, and but the, the, again, my my personal experience is that given the tools to make their job easier, the police seem not to want to use them. Mm. I mean, uh, we have um, well, we obviously have received probably a few hundred inquiries as to whether people are allowed to go out or not pigeon shooting, and our, or, or or pest controlling generally, and our answer has been fairly blanket of. Yes, providing a certain set of criteria. Firstly, it is actually as vaguely essential. Okay, if you're shooting foxes where there's lambs, go and shoot them. If you're shooting crows where there's lambs, go and shoot them. If you're shooting pigeons on drillings, go and shoot them. Secondly, get a letter from the farmer. It is only logical that you get the evidence from the farmer himself requiring you to go and do it because the farmer says it's essential, not on a hearsay or a statement or else anybody could go and do it. And any farmer or permission owner worth their salt will give you that letter mm. i mean i, I mean I, I have again as an audit trail to to cover your own backside i i have no problem with that whatsoever my my fear is that if we that in in our in, in our keenness to be seeing to be doing the right thing that we're actually in, inviting the police to carry on with that set of circumstances once the immediate need with, uh, with the COVID-19 has, has, has been re removed. You see, they might like what we're doing a little bit too much. I, I think they might. And, and I mean, again, it, 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 it begs a whole variety of, of questions. In, in my day, when, I, when I, I joined the police in the Hampshire Constabulary in 1974. Now, in 1974, everything was different it was a it was a different world but the police did not see any need at that time if they got a telephone call from a member of the public saying there's a bloke in a field um with a load of plastic decoys in a hide with a dog shooting pigeons um i, I want you to come out and see what he's doing 
kind of scenario well they the, the response that they would have given would have been well he's pigeon shooting you know just just jog on um but we've now got to the stage where that where the whole and i can i can understand why that might be but there's a there's a difference between um uh, somebody in in the in the in the streets of a city yelling Allah Akbar and waving an AK-47 um, which might well uh, require an immediate deployment against a bloke in a field shooting pigeons. Um, we seem to have got to the stage now where the police uh, feel the need to respond to incidents of, of like, like the second one with the same degree of of, of manpower and potential, uh, you know, force deterrent, as as they would with with the first, and I can't and I can't quite see how they arrive at that conclusion. Basque, you know, everyone hates Basque at the moment, but Basque has done a huge amount of work, particularly in Hampshire, with the with the control room staff and their supervisory officers to try and explain to them. What happens on um, on a day shooting, be it driven, wild fowling, uh, pigeon shooting? Um, you know, we'll stick with that. They've had significant input into the preparation of a lot of the of the documents that the that the, that the police go through. You, you can imagine, uh, uh, someone answers a telephone call in the police headquarters. They're not experts on everything that comes across their desk, so they get to the stage where they might where it might pop up a, a pro forma where there are a few questions that they need to answer. There's been some significant input into that so that they ask the right kind of questions which can guide the response that they deliver uh, thereafter. But there are many, many occasions when that is just being ignored. Very interesting. So th there you go. I've I've bashed the old bill for, <laughs> for the last yeah. 10 or 15 minutes. I wish uh, to knock at your door fairly shortly i'm sure well i'm sure they will um I, I i i wish them no malice but i just wished that there would be an outbreak of common sense in the application of of some of the restrictions that we're looking at less less finger wagging um and less trying to exceed the the powers that are clearly laid down or indeed not laid down in in law to to to, to suit their own ends I mean, one does not envy them. We do live in, well, the southeast of England has, what, a third to half of the population of England in it. We do live in the most densely populated part of the UK. And I don't envy them trying to handle the rural urban conflict that we have here, which is much more intensive than it is in the rest of the country. So I don't think Hampshire have a particularly easy job um, when it comes to, yes, that interaction between pigeon shooters and... No, I, 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 again, I... I would be the first to agree with that, but I, as time progresses, I see that the um, the, the efforts of shooting organisations to bring the, the police up to speed, to give them the tools to deal with these jobs um, with, the, with the greatest efficiency. And I mean, like all these things, this boils down to money at the end of the day. Do I need to send um, a, a, a two-car um, firearms response unit to a bloke in a field who is patently, when you examine the attendant circumstances, shooting pigeons. One does wonder whether there is a element of using it as a training exercise sometimes. Having heard multiple stories of it happening, you go, oh. perhaps, perhaps it is just a, a 
oh, well, we've, we've got something to do here. Let's go and train for the yes. real thing. Well, I can I can even I can give you I won't give you the chapter and verse because it because this happened not that long ago and it would be identifiable. Um, the, the police attendants uh, at, at a job um, which concerned my wildfowling club, a well-meaning member of the public had phoned in some information. The duty inspector elected to send uh, a firearms team comprised of two parts, one of which came from Portsmouth, the other one came from Winchester. Now, I, I learned subsequently from, as I say, as a retired police officer, I know lots of people still in the in the police service and have regular dealings with them. The the overall cost of the turnout for that particular job, and there are there were other components um, involved in it, was getting on for £12,000. And I, I know that the inspector who who um, uh, permitted it or, or, or caused it to take place, if that's the right word, um, received a second bumhole um, because the, the, the subsequent investigation found that he had just decided to treat it as a training exercise, ignored everything that was put in place to prevent that enormous wastage of money, but just did it anyway. Wow. So uh, moving off of this before, um, well, we go around any more. So any more circles. That, that is the one, yeah. Let's look at the wildfowling season. I've spoken to a few people regarding the game shooting season and well, there, there's a huge mixed feeling there. I presume the wildfowlers aren't in that same boat. No, we are. We are on a slightly different boat. We we did wonder when the excrement hit the air circulatory system um, as to what the effects on us would be. Uh, quite a few of our members we thought might have been in jobs which would be affected by the lockdown. Um, we're, we're now into or well into the period of acceptance of, of, of club subscriptions, which obviously have to pay for the leases for the coming season. Um, and, and, and pretty much all of our members um, seem to be unaffected by it, which or is found the money because it's an important well, part of their life. Well, yes, exactly that, um, because it, because it's a club and, uh, and, it, and it, there is a strong sort of you know family element to it. One of the things that we said right from the outset was, if you have any issues about paying, you know, uh, with, with finance, give the club uh, treasurer a ring in complete confidence, and you can work something else. Uh, you can work something out with him. We either looked, we also looked at our own finances, and we determined that there were there was a number of members who provided they met certain criteria we could actually fund their entire membership for for next season they it wouldn't have been free they'd have had to have paid it back at some point but certainly they would not have had to have found the money um for for the, for the coming season and and i and equally i know of one club unless it's changed its mind and, and perhaps had a, a bit of an outbreak of common sense as well they took a decision because they had quite a bit of money in their club funds that their entire membership would not pay any subscriptions for the coming season which That's was extreme, which was really really generous of them whether, whether they're regretting that and whether it's actually happened it's gone a bit quiet but it, it, it is an illustration of the of, of perhaps of the of the difference between game shooting and more general types of shooting and the sort of family feeling that you get within um, uh, within the wildfowling club. Uh, 
our whole finances are are different in the sense that we don't have to look at purchasing and releasing large numbers of birds. Um, the, the birds turn up or don't turn up entirely of their own volition, and it doesn't cost anything. So I've um, interestingly been speaking to a couple of people regarding deer, uh, and I'm wondering if this has any relation. The movements of deer and all large animals and small animals has been very much affected by this. Obviously, they have routine that happens year on year in the countryside, a regular amount of visitors, people, a regular amount of stalkers and pressures. And as such, populations don't change too much or they seem to change in a similar fashion. I've spoken to various people who have said deer are moving more or less than they ever have or wild boar included in that. And it will affect ongoing how populations look. For example, a friend of mine said he's seen fallow on his ground. He's never seen fallow there before, but they've probably taken the opportunity to cross a main road that they usually do not. Do you think that this will affect wildfowl in any similar way? In in the sense that the majority of wildfowl that we're looking to, to harvest next season, the, the widgeon, for example, most of them are in Arctic Russia at the moment. Um, likewise, most of the other migratory birds, um, they're a long way away in an area which, irrespective of, of you know of what's going on with COVID on an, on an international basis, um, they are they are in the middle of absolute nowhere, and it's having no effect that I can imagine upon what they do. Local populations of mallard um, and Canada geese might be influenced in the sense that some bodies of water which might otherwise be attractive to a bird as the nesting area because obviously we're, we're right into the middle of the or beginning of the nesting season um, which in past years had been untenable because of pressure from walkers or what have you um, that particularly mallard uh, Canada geese and, and indeed feral grey lags might well find them more suitable as nesting areas so from from that point of view it would be interesting to, to, to see how that works out next year. But generally speaking, I don't think that we're going to see the, the, the same sort of effect that you're describing um, as taking place with deer. Well, I suppose where you say most things are migratory and they're all in a bloody wilderness anyway, that, that shouldn't be a huge deal. And I also presume, therefore, because of the nature of wildfowling, social distancing isn't going to affect wildfowling at all. No, um, I, I, again, using my crystal ball, I, I think that we might be getting towards a, a point at some stage in the future where social distancing continues, but, but otherwise movement and certain other interaction becomes um, more easily carried out. As you've seen yourself, um, most wildfowling is done with one or two people. Socially distancing under those circumstances is is, is very easy indeed. It's not like um, having to move uh, a busload of beaters or guns or you know have a sit down lunch um, or all the things that might potentially um, impinge on other forms of shooting simply don't apply. So you know if we get the off on the 1st of September um, for the entire wildfowling community to uh, to, to main, maintain a workable uh, and effective social um, distancing is perfectly feasible. The, the one thing that I thought that we might have seen 
we haven't, other clubs may have noticed this, is that <clears throat> there might be people, keen, keen shots, who would have, whose, whose years shooting particularly, well, included one of two sorts of things, either buying a gun in a smaller syndicate or spending their money on bought days here and there. And we did rather think that we might see an increase of applications of member, membership for people who perhaps took the view that with all the uncertainty and the financial risk involved um, uh, with the bigger shoots, that they might not invest in the birds, that there might not be any shooting, and that a year or two's membership to a wild fowling club was kind of better than nothing. But that seems not to have happened, which is an interesting reflection on, um, on, on game shooters, because generally speaking, they seem to be quite upbeat about uh, about what's going to happen next year in some way, shape or form. They're certainly not looking for alternative forms of shooting that I can detect. No, I think generally many people are quite positive still about uh, some form of game shooting, I think is mm. the thing. Is many, many shoots, or at least I think, so from what I understand, all the big shoots that generally run off of foreign clients and big bag days from very rich people have ceased or mothballed and everyone who perhaps is the smaller syndicates is people such as me who take a couple of smaller days here and there those shoots are more than likely still going ahead um, because they can afford to lose that amount of money even though or they will be able to make it work in some way regardless of that's just if it's instead of a driven day we have a six-man team walk up and we all stay yeah. 20 feet yeah. apart so it is manageable to do some form of hunting in that regard um and it's still easier and warmer than wildfowling indeed yes and 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 in fact the uh, something that, that just horrified me uh, as i as i think about this um with with the shoulder gunning the the, the social distancing is perfectly feasible my greatest pleasure is accrued from punt gunning where where two of you are in the tiny cockpit of a boat and when you're actually setting into the birds, the, I, I usually end up manning the punt gun, but my colleague is practically laid on top of me <laughs> from from behind, so to speak. Don't, don't read anything into that. Um, but we are not going to be able to manage any form of social distancing there, which is an interesting challenge for the coming season. I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Uh, the only thing I can recommend is that you go with someone you don't social distance with i think convincing your wife to be your uh two ic in the punt might be a bit harder but it is your only option so there you go in, indeed it is yes I, I i have to go away and give some thought to that and that that has just occurred to me now that that is slightly worrying we'll have to see where we end up uh, come the start of the season uh, is there anything you'd like to add on that wild fowling front one thing i did mean to mention right back at the beginning because it's often uh uh lost in, in in our busy days happy st george's day happy st george's day is a, a happy thursday even i mean that's still quite a big deal that we remember what day it is it, yes well that's very true I, i've got a couple of emails i'm, I'm technically I, i'm at work at the moment um but i'm going to knock out a few emails shortly because one email that i sent yesterday thought that today was friday <laughs> so i have to I have to sort of correct that a bit. Uh, I've just lost a day somewhere completely. It's not easy. 
No, especially when you get to my age. Uh, as, as somebody said, I'm 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 65, I'm, and, and the other day I had a tattoo. How was that? It was, for my, you? Name, it was my name and address. <laughs> so on on that note, have have we flogged it all to death? Um, I'm happy that we've covered everything we wanted to discuss today. Unless there's anything um, else you'd like to discuss. No, and I, I, I apologise for for being so inflammatory, but uh, I think it had to be said. There will be many people who don't share my view. Um, only with the passage of time will we see where this all pans out. Indeed, Nick. And I think every point of view is valid. And we've had a uh, some points of view on here that are more politically attached. And it's always good to have your view, which is most definitely not, which is wonderful. Cheers, mate. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And you, mate. You take care. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to see each other soon. Indeed. Yes. Look forward to it.